Welcome to Guild Wars. We are a podcast dedicated to unearthing the deep lore of Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. My name is Joe Neustel, and between myself and my co-host Tony, we have over 20 years of experience with the Guild Wars franchise. And we still manage to know very, very little about the game. So without further ado, here he is, Tyria's sweetheart, Tony Melchor. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Doing pretty good. Excited to be recording another episode and to learn more. <laughs> Great. Well, we have a lot to learn today. Um, what do you know about uh, what, do you, what do you know about being a human, Tony? Oof, it's tough. It's tough being a human. Um, not too much on the lore of them in terms of Guild Wars. Oh, this is just more of a general. You know, what do you what do you what do you know about being a human? I have no idea, man. I, I thought maybe that was the case. I thought you probably were... Making it up as I go, honestly. Make, hey, sounds like the lore of Guild Wars. <laughs> Actually, it's surprisingly tight in some positions. Sure. And in, and in other parts, it seems like they were just throwing words at the wall. Makes sense, makes sense. So it's a beautiful mess we're going to get into today. We're going to be talking about the lore of the human race. Ontaria. Okay. I'm quite fond of the humans in the game. My main character is a human. I don't know about you. What What is your main? In Guild Wars 2, it's probably my... It's Cartoon Link. Probably the Norn. He's a Norn. Norn boy. Well, we have that episode coming up. But yeah, like I said, I'm pretty fond of humans. I am one. You are one, of course. And the wonderful Guild Wars community are, for the most part, humans. So... Today, just for you sapiens, that's what we're going to dive into here. You might be surprised at what we learn, and it's a pretty hefty episode, so buckle up and let's get to it. Oh, I'm ready. I think it's going to be a two-parter, so yeah, let's just get down and dirty. All right. The existence, in, uh, the existence of humans in Tyria is due in full to the six gods. The gods are as follows. We have Duena the goddess of healing and air, Balthazar, the god of war and fire, badass, Melandru, the god of nature and earth, Lissa, the god, the goddess of illusion and energy. Lissa is actually two gods put together. I just found that out recently. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that for a long time. Yeah. The illusion that they were one person is just an in-joke on the entirety of the world. <laughs> they got me. We have Grinth, the god of death and ice. He's pretty cool. We have Abaddon, the god of secrets. Oh. And water, which I didn't know. Water? Yeah. Interesting. Some sources do say that Lyssa is the goddess of water. And some say that it's Abaddon. Maybe they both were at some point. I mean, I guess there had to be a god of water after what happened to Abaddon. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So if you had to, if you had to pick one, just just for my my curiosity, what god do you uh, what 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 god do you believe in? Hmm. Who do you sacrifice your your meals to? I think deep down it'd have to be Melandru. I I like nature, and ranger has always been a good class, and they tend to worship Melandru. You know, nature magic, what have you. Um, I think, yeah. Or if I want to keep a green aesthetic, maybe Grant as well. But I think Melandru has my heart for sure. Nice. A Melandru guy. Mm-hmm. Nature magic. 
A lot of vines and twigs and sticks and leaves. <laughs> and dirt. He's a dirty boy. I'm a, dir- I'm a, a dirty, dirty boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say that uh, personally, I like Abaddon, um, the god of secrets. And he does some decently cool things, as we'll see. And he does a few things that are pretty shady. Yeah. I also like Grenth. Grenth is pretty cool, and he has a rivalry with the King of Halloween, Mad King Thorn. Mad King Thorn. And I love that they get into their little petty squabble when one of them really has no right to be talking to the other one. <laughs> One's a god and one isn't. A jack-o'-lantern. A jack-o'-lantern, which is pretty cool in itself. That is pretty cool, yeah. Maybe I maybe I should give him a little more credit. <laughs> We'll probably do a whole show on that, just because I absolutely am in love with that. And we'll touch a little more on the gods in some future episodes. So if it's not clicking together right now, um, don't don't worry about it too much. We will touch back in on that. But for the time being, what we do need to know is that there were gods, and they had a lot to do with what with humans on Tyria. So when we're talking about the humans, it's a little bit easier to digest it. There's there's several different timelines. They've set up three different calendars within Tyria, and we're going to stick to that basic scale that we s- described and outlined in the last show of B.E. and A.E. That's before and after Exodus. Okay. There are three regions that are inhabited by humans to the point of ecological uh, significance at least to my knowledge there is rumor of uh, people further south than Cantha but really none of the lore has ever touched on it it's just a very brief little interge- interjection there so maybe that's where the game's heading one day we might be finding some new humans in in the world of Tyria not the continent alright so today we're going to break it up we have three locations, Cantha, Ilona, and Tyria. They are in order from south to north, in that order. So chronologically, humans were first introduced to Cantha, and then Ilona and Tyria. Okay. Started south and moved north? It's a little confusing because in Guild Wars 1, they introduced the regions Tyria, Cantha, and Ilona, and in Guild Wars 2, Tyria, Ilona, and then the upcoming Cantha, which will be the next expansion, End of Dragons. Oh, yeah, yeah. But today, we're going to stick with the the chronological order. We're going to start by talking about the humans that first came to Cantha. Cantha! Where did you think they they first sprung up at? Honestly, I would say probably, like, Center Tyria, where, like, Lion's Arch is now Queensdale area, maybe. But I uh, had no idea Kansas. Wouldn't have guessed. It really feels like the the center focus of what they want you to look at is Central Tyria. Yeah. But at the same time, there's so much backdrop in these other locations that is really interesting when you actually take the time to learn a little bit about it. Hmm. So, in the year 786 before Exodus... The gods brought the humans to Cantha. There were three groups. With clear direction and communication with the gods, one of the groups went on to found the Imperial Dragon Empire, 
led by Kanang Ta, Ooh. who united the Canton clans and founded Kanang City. Okay. Okay. Kanang City, as we know, is a sprawling mass of kind of madness. Yeah, chaos. It's, a, it's an entire region that is just one giant city. Kind of has like a uh, a Ravnica feel. It's very layered. Yeah, or like um, maybe like Bloodborne esque, kind of like sprawl. Not quite as dark or grim, but it's just very sprawling. Uh, Ta's family maintained an unbroken bloodline up through the events of the original Guild Wars in 1072 AE. So that's like 17, that's nearly 2,000 years. Unbroken bloodline. Yeah. Damn, that's a long time. That is quite a, quite a stretch there. There were two other groups of humans who inhabited Cantha. They're known as the Kurziks and the Luxans. <laughs> and unlike the booming unified clans of the Imperial Empire, they were much slower in advancing their nations. Okay. Oh. And you can kind of see that reflected in the games a little bit, too. They're a little bit more... Well, one of them is nomadic, and the other has a bit more of like a ritualistic tribal community in the forest. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely with their towns and outposts weren't didn't seem as advanced as the city area, I guess you could say. Following Ta's death, which was surrounded in suspicious circumstances. Another one of those Connor situations uh, where suspicious nobody circumstances. really knows what went down. Keyword suspicious. But there are small snippets of lore that illuminate he was on an extended hunting trip. Huh. He fell off of his horse. But there are tiny little snippets of lore in the game that indicate that there were wounds on his horse's rump and likewise wounds on his body. Oh, ambushed maybe. And nobody's talking. The Empire began to pressure the Luxons and Kurziks after that. His son was a little bit of a warmonger. They this combined with their violent rivalries with each other, served as a catalyst uh, for the unity and growth of each clan, the Kurziks and Luxons. So they then formed nations, uh, true nations at that point. Yeah. Sovereign nations, yeah. But they weren't really completely free. They, on their own turf, were were able to drive back the Imperial Dragon Empire, but the pressure of the Empire was just so great that they did end up both becoming vassal nations or vassal so entities. Like conforming, sort of? Yeah. It's like a tributary state with a little less restrictiveness. A little bit, okay. A little bit more freedom. Just enough to not get attacked, basically. A uh, tributary state, they get sort of... You just have to pay tribute, you know? Okay. They okay. come in and tell you what to do. And a vassal state is sort of more like an armistice with a little bit of a power dynamic shifting in one direction. Okay. 250 years later, the Canthans learned that the gods had brought different tribes of humans to the world, north across the unending sea. They were viewed as barbarians and were not largely considered by the people of Cantha due to the vast proximity of their, for their time period. It was hard for them to get across that, that ocean. Big, unending ocean. That, I don't know <laughs> how it got the name, 
but it must be pretty big. Yeah. And I haven't really done the math in miles um, as far as like... How far they are from each other, how the mainland is from Kansas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate looking up, like combining my real world logic with my game logic of distance because it never really fits right. Sure, you know, Everything yeah. seems so small, but who would really want to run across uh, uh, run across 100 miles of game? Yeah. Before you got to where your next quest was. A roller beetle might not be too bad. <laughs> it's got a good hill. So to the north, humans appeared in Alona. And they were depicted first in the Nightfall campaign. And later in Path of Fire and Living World Season 4. Society assimilated pretty quickly there, actually. And in five years, they saw the rise of the first primeval kings. Now, that is the coolest name. I wasn't really sure if I was pronouncing it right. I think I was, because I, I, I'm familiar with the game, and it feels like they say it like that. But primeval, primeval. I like primeval. I say primeval. Primeval. That was some awesome armor back in Guild Wars 1. Oh, some yeah. Of the, some of the legendary armor. And they had great style, those primeval kings. And their nation was pretty secluded. They did have land mass that attached them to Tyria, but there was a barrier in the way. Tony, what do you think it was? Oh, man. A barrier in the way. I'd say just the Shiver Peak Mountains, maybe? All that snow? Or a um, little crystal fracture, sort of, that kind of like wraps around, maybe. That's my best guess. Out of left field, it was Marganites. Do you remember them? Marganites? No. They're an enemy in Guild Wars 1 and servants of Abaddon. They're the guys that have like the purple, ethereal energy flowing out of them. They, they kind of look like the Exalted in a way, if huh. I'm remembering correctly. Out of left field, indeed. So Abaddon's followers. They weren't quite Abaddon's followers yet because we're still several hundred years before his fall. So they were kept in Alona for nearly 200 years until the year 1 BE. And things get pretty crazy in Tyria right around this time. 1 BE. So in 1 BE, the god Abaddon goes above... He's, he is the god of secrets. He doesn't tell anybody about it. But he goes <laughs> above the rest of their heads and decides that he's going to gift magic to the mortal races of Tyria. Oh. Spicy. He thought that it was going to do great things for society and make all their lives easier. Oh. But he just grossly, grossly overestimated mortals. Because if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to shoot fireballs at other people. <laughs> so they used the magic to do a bunch of shitty things to each other. And in just a year's time... The mortal races were at the brink of extinction, you know? Humanity was driving itself down into the ground. Just a year's time. Just a year's time. Ah, damn. Not long at all. The gods got pissed off about that. They are like, well, well, we'll get into it. They were petty. So, they had a war about it. And over the Crystal Desert, the gods kicked Abaddon's ass. They they beat him in a 5v1 duel. 
which doesn't seem too surprising to me. I don't really know how he thought he was going to get away with this one. Yeah, 5v1's not fun. 5v1. You ever played PvP? Don't 5v1, folks. If you're new out there, do not 5v1. <laughs> do not 5v1. Don't recommend. Do not recommend it. And if you do it, well... Good, l- good luck. Don't do it again. <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> you got lucky. You got lucky, Carl. <sighs> so they cast him down to the sands of the northern Ilona Desert. Which is super messed up now. I don't know if uh, you're familiar with this place, but it's called the Desolation. Oh, His okay. magic warped the sands and created uh, just I don't know toxic toxic sand. To- I think it's like toxic gas with toxic sand. It's just toxic. It's a toxic environment. So the remaining gods forged the bloodstone to help contain the magic within that the mortal races were going crazy with and i don't know to what quantity they actually toned it down if our magic was much much stronger there's a ton of bloodstone you know bloodstone fen is just there's a ton of bloodstone get out there get your pickaxe out and go farm some yep that's pure magic it's just a hard drive for magic but yeah they created those to kind of undo what they had done but it really wasn't... Obviously, we still have magic. So, the gods, what do they do next? Um, what do they do next? I would say... Make some rules, apart from uh, stealing, like, taking back their magic. Um, basically, make some rules or, like, some laws or something. Try to, try to really strong-arm the humans. This is what I would... I would say they do next. You would think that, wouldn't you? That maybe they should try to find some moral grounds for this. The year 1 AE begins after Exodus. They just leave. They had a left field. They're like, oh man, we really fucked this up. <laughs> and they just bounce. Just gather their shit. It's like, alright, time to go. They pack their bags and out of the, the the physical realm they go. They still have influence in the world for this for the next many many years. You know, you can slash kneel at the the temple of the ages. Is I think so. It? Toa. 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 Temple of the ages. You you can kneel there and talk to their avatars and stuff. They're still around, but they're not hanging out with the humans anymore. So, in, after this happens, uh, the humans of Alona are able to expand. You know, they, they got rid of their Marganite problem at this point. They push north into the Desolation, which separates them from Tyria, the Crystal Desert in southern Tyria. And they push southeast and found Vabi. Domain of Vabi. This is when they start the custom of ritually burying their kings in tombs in the desert. Mm, The Tomb of Primeval Kings. It's a zone that you can access elite dungeons in Guild Wars 1. And also it has some significant plot in Guild Wars Path of Fire. You get to go and revisit it and take a look at what once was lost. Mm Mm-hmm. So, 200 years after magic was introduced to the mortals, 
in 201 AE, Canthan ships sail from the south. They begin to trade with both Alona and Tyria. And most goes well for the Alonians for the next 200 years. But then disaster strikes. Oh no. I know, you have your magic, you kick the Marganites' asses. You expand, start you, trading. You expand and start trading. What could go wrong? Hmm. What could go wrong? I'd say they lose uh, access again. I think maybe the Jade Sea comes up. Not entirely sure. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the Jade Sea in Cantha is completely landlocked. Huh? I think it's just a giant lake. Oh. That could be completely false, though. So if anyone's listening and takes me at 100% honesty on that, or basically anything, <laughs> because lore is always shifting, well, just don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> Jade Sea, landlocked, 95% sure. <laughs> A plague takes over. A plague? The Scarab Plague. And it's pretty awful. It takes out, it's just, if you can imagine the Black Plague sweeping Europe, just a terrible pandemic. Endemic. No? Yeah. I don't I don't know. I think it's... I'm not a virologist. It's not worldwide. <laughs> I think it's... And it's not worldwide for a reason. Endemic, yeah. Endemic, yeah. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> you can quote me on that even though I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I'm almost sure I'm wrong, but just spread the word. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so it's not worldwide for a reason. Okay. The reason is... That when things start going a little bit sideways for them, their leader dies. And the bloodline of the primeval kings is broken after some... Well, let's do the math on that. That would be 456 AE, so that would be about 1100 years. God damn. Pretty significant. And their bloodline ends. In this power vacuum, Admon Kolos creates the great dynasty that settles Istan... Which we know from Guild Wars 1 and 2. It's an island to the southwest off of the shores of Ilona. It had a beautiful city, Kamadan, Jewel of Istan, also known as Spamadan. Spamadan. <laughs> oh. To those Guild Wars 1 players. To this day. There was no trade post system, so everyone was spamming in Spamadan. Everyone All was spamming day. in Spamadan. If you don't believe us, yeah, you can still see it happening. You can get the game, you can load in and check it out yourself. There's a website, I'm pretty sure, that'll show you all the spam in the chat, but on a website. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> I think you can filter out stuff to look for things specifically, so you can just look for Ectos. I'm pretty sure. New player tip. You can check that out. All the new Guild Wars 1 players all, out there. All the new Guild Wars 1. Man, I never thought I'd be saying that now. <laughs> But it later becomes a less beautiful city, Palawadan. Disgusting. Palawajoko, well, we'll talk about him here in a minute. <sighs> Palawajoko. But this dynasty that settles first, settles the first settlements in Istan, then collapses. It only lasts about a hundred years. And the continent is divided into three allied provinces. Do you know them off the top of your head, Tony? Uh, no, but I reckon Sunspears are in there? Well, those are a force to be reckoned with. Huh? 
I think they are paragons without borders, though. Okay. So we have Istan, which we've previously mentioned, mm-hmm. Vabi, and a third, Corna. 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 Fifty years of piracy plague Alona, and a group known as the Corsairs organize against the provinces. They're distracted by the Corsairs. Well, to the north in the desolation, aforementioned Lich builds a bone palace. Palau <laughs> Joko. Palau in 757 AE, Joko and his undead army come crashing down on Alona with crushing victories in the north, where he earned one of his many monikers, and I mean many. This guy has more names. <laughs> The Scourge of Abbey. I, I chose that one to put in here because that's a little uh, a little callback when they named the elite specialization for the Necromancer in Path of Fire, the Scourge. The Scourge. My favorite class. Well, I'm glad it's yours. It has to be somebody's. <laughs> he tormented the humans of Ilona for nearly 100 years. Until a hero of legendary renown in the Guild Wars universe arises to defeat Joko the Undying. <laughs> His name? Terai Asa. Terai Asa. I love Terai Asa. He looks cool. He has amazing armor. You still rock that primeval armor. I do. Actually, do you still rock it on Moonlit? I, yeah, I have it. Well, now it's just a mixture. Now I fashion wars the heck out of it. So now it's just pick and pull. Hashtag fashion wars Friday. Check it out. Get involved. Let's <laughs> see. Let's see your characters. Um, but yeah, no, I still rock a good amount of it. That that arm that headpiece, so good, so good. I love it. Like talons or horns. Horns. Three horns coming up. And his victory over Joko makes people love him. They love him. They love his family. They're ready to make him the next dynastic leader of all of Ilona. But he says, nah, I'm not <laughs> interested. Because he's so cool, he leads a pilgrimage to the Crystal Desert, across the desolation, through the lands of Palawajoko, and to the Crystal Desert, to commune and ascend. Oh, okay. You can actually talk to him in Guild Wars 1. And some of the primeval kings when you go to do the ascension quests they give you little snippets of lore that are pretty tasty about the crystal desert and just oh ascension his son though takes the command of corna he assumes rule there so he didn't take up the entirety of alona and and do that greedy thing you know where he would just settle in make a new dynasty be the be the king and then get taken out in a hundred years. <laughs> and his son would get murdered by somebody. But he does assume the rule of Corna, which is nice and cool. That is fine. That seems fair. Your dad beat... A lich. Choco, the whatever. The scourge. In- insert, insert moniker here. <laughs> Over the next 130 years, there are instances of political shifts on the micro of Ilona and the macro of the world at large. Or I guess the interactions between humanities, because there's so much of the world I don't really know. Sure. Cantha cuts ties with both Ascalon and Alona, which causes some problems. Secludes themselves? 
yeah, they focus back in on what they have going on at home because things are getting pretty rough with the Ascalonian humans at this point in their war with the Char. The Guild Wars are raging out of hand up there, so nobody is really your friend. And the, the provinces of Alona are still fighting pirates, so sailing their ships past them to the north is not really much of a gain for them. So Cantha pulls back. They pull back their embassy in Alona, and piracy runs rampant, rampant again. Oh no. The Corsair. This is known as the Second Corsair War. And that pretty much brings us all the way through to the events of Guild Wars Nightfall. As an expansion pack for the first game, which I don't find a lot of Corsair in that. Nope, right off the bat. So while the Alonian humans struggled for over a thousand years leading up to this point, their fellow kinsfolk in the north were facing their own struggles. We touched a little bit in the last episode on the history of the Char, but Ascalon was not the only war front for the humans. They fought the angry felines in Krita, they fought them in a place known as Or, and in Ascalon. So, and, and, and beyond that, the Char weren't the only danger that they faced. Oh, there. sure, yeah. There were tons of things happening. But... We will talk about that in part two of The Lore of Humans. We'll maybe go into a little more detail about the gods, no promises on that, and we'll talk about the war and strife of the humans in the north against those angry kitties. Against those angry, angry kitties. Against Connor. <laughs> against Connor. Oh, Connor. So, any any final thoughts on what we've talked about today, Tony? Um, Cantha, Cantha had it rough, I guess, I guess you could say. Getting hit by a plague and then wanting to expand, but pirates. Oh, that was Ilona. With the pirates? Yeah. Yeah, well, but Cantha was... trading. Cantha was trading and stuff, they yeah. Were, their only interface with Ilona at the time was ships. Yeah. They didn't have a, any form of land leading them to... Yeah, crazy. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Um, never would have expected that. What was your favorite thing you learned? Uh, hmm. I think Triosa's son taking over Corna, leading like basically leading the 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 area. That was pretty cool. I had no idea about that, so that was pretty awesome. I didn't even know he had a son, so that's cool. Yeah, I would like to go back through and play through that, paying closer attention. Also, if there's any like details about the pilgrimage from Triosa, leading all the. Elonians over that'd be free that'd be pretty cool that would be pretty cool i'll add that to a notes page and maybe we'll do a little bit of deeper digging yeah maybe a little bit of crystal desert lore surrounding the ascension and some other good stuff coming at you oh the ascension i think my favorite thing about all of that was just i gotta say Tariasa again he just Raise, raise the Elonians up and beat Palawa Joko. I thought he was from a long time ago. This was only a few hundred years before the events of Guild Wars. Yeah, so not, not too far off at all. And he was humble about it. And still went on to do more cool shit. He is the Pyre Fear Shot. He is the <laughs> Pyre Fear Shot's granddaughter of Alona. Uh-huh. Tariasa, you're our hero. You are our hero. You are our hero. We love you. Your armor is cool. Your armor is dope. Thank you, Tarai. Thank you, listeners. 
you can if you have any questions or any requests anything that you're fuzzy on that want to clear you want to clear up or anything that uh, anything that you just kind of want to get out there you can get in touch with us on Twitter at at Lore's Guild. You can find us on Instagram at Guild Lore's Podcast or email us at guildlorespodcast at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us in-game at cartoonlink.6180. That's me. Yep. And trogdormama.4903. T-R-O-G-D-O-R Mama. M-A-M-A dot four nine zero three. We do have a guild and a community. Our guild's name is We Don't Know Our Lore. We could talk a little bit about what we want to do with that. Do you have any vision for this guild? Anything that you would like to see come of it? Honestly, I guess just the main thing just help people. Help people and whoever shares our love for the game to expand on that. Honestly. Yeah, basically all I've been doing for the guild is just running around low-level zones and bugging people that don't have any mastery points. <laughs> asking them asking them questions about the game, how they like it, if they're excited for the new expansion that's coming up, if there's anything I can help them with, and reminding them that there's a slash wiki command. Oh, man. Big game changer. If you don't know that right now, slash wiki. Slash wiki. That is our new noob advice. The, one of the best, honestly. Oh, man. Most people are pretty keen on it. Most people are aware of it. They've seen it in a video or somewhere on some beginner's guide. I don't prepare that well, so I just kind of go at it, and then <laughs> eight years later, I get my mind blown. That was... That was me. Coming back around, I didn't know there was a Guild Wars 1 wiki, a slash wiki from in-game. So you do this in-game and it pops open a window uh, that you can look on your website, whatever web browser you use. I had no idea in Guild Wars 1, so I never used it. I always, I didn't, I didn't know for a while, actually. I was today years old that I, <laughs> when I found out that that was in Guild Wars 1. Below my mind. And that was Tony's noob advice corner <laughs> thank you for listening thank you tony thank you and we'll see you in Tyria.